It's the Sod Pod. Brought to you by Grassland Agro. The Sod Pod. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 7 of the Sod Pod. In the last episode, we had a great conversation about the Chagas Grass 10, and it was covered on numerous occasions. We're very proud sponsors of that. In this episode, we have a bit of controversy. David Corbett is not with us today. He has been dropped from the panel. He failed to show up to training on Sunday. We still have Sean McMahon and we have John O'Loughlin, the stalwart, the corner forward, lack of mobility. But we have a substitution. The substitution is coming in. You might know him. He comes from Wexford. Correct. He comes from Camp Isle. Incorrect. Out to Camp Isle Road, New Ross. Same difference. His surname is Furlong. I know what you're all thinking now. No, it's not Tyg. But, in fairness, we have Bernard Furlong, our Grassland Agro Consultant Vet. Bernard, how are you keeping? Not too bad now, James. Tell us about yourself, Bernard. What's your story? Yeah, sure. I'm a, I'm a vet there in New Ross in uh, County Wexford. It's a four-person practice covering, I suppose, the New Ross district and into South Kilkenny as well. Up as far probably as Mullen Nevada and Stig area and all around by um, hitting into Clonroach, Adamstown direction and all the way down maybe as far as Feather on Sea. And Carlo. Tullahar Rossbarkin. Yeah. Prime, prime, prime area. We'll be going out there every day, please God. Prime real estate. Prime. <laughs> I, I can't afford that Kilkenny district, you know. That kind of a property, uh, John, I just can't afford it. Like, no, so you must be yeah. on serious, serious money. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, for a four-person practice, dairy country, obviously, you know. Uh, suckers are going uh, down the way and dairy is rising every day. Uh, we're dealing with dogs, cats, and then small bit of sheep, but predominantly it's dairy cows, you know. So um, graduated in 2015. Worked for, I think it was about 15 months or that, Kilkenny, for uh, John Lynch, who's a, a very good um, employer for my first year out. Similar type practice, a three-person practice as well. Learned a lot out of John, and now I'm working for a man called uh, Joe Moffat. And there's myself and three other vets working with Joe, and uh, we're getting on right well, yeah. Yeah, busy practice, busy days, but uh, very enjoyable, you know. Where did you graduate from? So I went to college in UCD. I would have uh, left Go Council College. Big shout out to the Up boys the there. Council. That's it, boy. Uh, left there in 2010. I went to UCD then for from to September 2010 all the way till May 2015. So five years is usually the going rate to become a vet. Thankfully, I didn't fail a year or anything like that. I was a very studious vet uh, student, James, you know. Always on top of the game, you know. And uh, went from there then. I went to Kilkenny and then <laughs> on to Kilkenny. That's big talk, big talk. Yeah, well, correct, correct. So, yeah, that, that's my story. Now, I'm, I'm basically just working now, um, working in Ross and, and happy out, you know. And uh, on the side, you know, a bit of Gaelic football. You're not a great hurler, but you know a bit of Gaelic football. And I classify myself as more of a hurling man and football man, you know. I oh, love it. But, Even uh, Afghan Bernard, where obviously... Wexford were beaten by Dublin at home. Look, can't win them all, John, can you? This is coming from a clear man now. They won the All-Ireland in 2013. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, obviously, Bernard, we won in 1997, which is one more All-Ireland since he won in 1996. We also won in 2013. So by my maths, we have two All-Irelands. 
since you last won in 1996. Now, listen, you can argue with that. All I'd say, John, is it, it, it's a bit like grass, isn't it? Like, would you rather uh, good quality grass or good quantity grass, you know? So the quality of the All-Ireland we won back in 96 Boom. was phenomenal, you know? <laughs> like, no one no one doesn't know you, who you won You won a proxy All-Ireland there between 1995 and 97. Clare were on for the hat-trick, right? But what happened was, at least in Liam Wolf was obviously a Limerick man, and Donna Barrow is obviously a friend of the show and, and, and very influential within our own company and they would widely, widely accept that they robbed that All-Ireland of Clare. Now, because what happened listen, I want to get in the ins and outs of it, but I'll have to. <laughs> <laughs> what happened was, right, I listened, I was only six years of age at the time. You remember so I, it well. <laughs> I was unlucky not Senior to be playing, as I said, James, before, but what happened was, right, we were odds-on favourites, right? We went down, we got a bit of a, a, a rude awakening, we'd say. Came down to the last minute anyways, and Kerry, uncle of the great Keen Lynch, ran the length of the field, had made two catches already, and drove it over the bar off to Hurley, right? So just completely exceptional stuff, like, you know, freaking nature stuff. But other than that, we were clean through for three in a row, and Wexford won a handy one. And that is a, a sad reality for any Wexford fan, but exactly what happened. Whoop, whoop, whoop. We were dead set at the crossroads. Yeah, we've better songs. We've a better All Ireland. Just that 96. Everyone knows Wexer won 96. Who won Never the football in 96? Forgotten. No one even knows. I think it was me, was it? Who cares? I'd say one thing any team that prides themselves on me calling yellow. It's incorrect. It's actually gold, but anyway. <laughs> Widely renowned as Yellow Bellies. But a simple fact was. Well, yellow. Jim, Jim, sorry now. Correct me if I'm wrong now. I have been wrong before once. That was earlier <laughs> today, John. <laughs> But uh, yellow is commonly uh, referred to as cowardly. Like. Now, Jim, you're older than us, so you probably remember. You're probably like much for, older for those westerns. <laughs> you're probably, <laughs> probably done his J one below. In <laughs> 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 one of those western movies with John Wayne, but <laughs> that that's correct, yeah. Yeah. So we'll just move on anyway. Yeah. <laughs> what I'd like to know, like, it's absolutely fantastic to have you as a grassland negro consultant vet, but. When it comes to cows, what are the things that you're seeing now? And obviously farmers moving the whole time, but what are you seeing now today? As a qualified vet, you're at your seventh season now. Yeah, so I suppose probably in the last two years, I've become very comfortable as a mixed practice vet in that um, I'm not worrying going out on farms now with whatever issue is thrown at me. I feel like I can I can deal with it as best as I can, you know? Prior to that, I probably would have been a little bit more on the nervous side. Certain issues might might have got on top of me a bit more than than, than they would now. You're still seeing your emergency cases; they, they can't be gotten rid of, you know. So you're going to get your your calvings, your C sections, your displaced stomach operations. You're still getting your E. coli mastitis, your milk fevers. They're irreplaceable. Like no matter how good um, one's farming system may be. On at her level, you're you're going to get all those issues, you know. So I know the general con- perception is going forward that the, the large animal side of things, it, it's going to be predominantly a herd health kind of a, a view, and that the emergency setting is going to reduce significantly. I don't see that myself. I think as vets, we're going to have to provide that twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred sixty five days of the year kind of service that, that we can't get away from it you know as much as and all as we'd like it's it is quite draining on on our lives we have to provide that you know 
But obviously, the herd health side of things is becoming more and more predominant year on year. You know, that that is becoming more predominant. And I suppose there is a lot of aspects of that that we can touch base with there now, like, you know. Sean, you want to step in there now? Yeah, so, so one of the questions that I would like to ask Bernard is, like, like some farmers have started the breeding season. Yeah. And, you know, some farmers haven't, but... Like, what are the main problems that you see around this time of year? And what are we, like, as a farmer listening to the podcast, what are we looking out for? Or what is some very simple messages that farmers could take home just to keep an eye out for this time of year? Yeah, so so the the first thing that would crop to my mind would be, um, we're into breeding season now, you know. So it's probably kicked off for a lot of guys in the last week or two, you know. And the first thing you want to keep an eye out for is body condition scoring, you know. So at your breeding season, if your body condition score on your cows, which you really need to kind of do, and you need to get into the habit of doing it throughout the year, not just this time of the year, but for the 12 months of the year. At breeding, if you are measuring your cows at a body condition score from one to five being obese, one being very thin, you're looking at a body condition score of 2.75 at breeding. That's the optimum body condition score. So you're you're trying to, to get that body condition score so that when you are submitting those cows for AI, that they're at that level, you know. But probably more importantly, I suppose, is when they're at the calving period, is to do with the body condition score at that calving point as well. And you don't want the body condition score to drop any more than 0.5 of a degree from from calving to breeding, you know. So if you have a high drop-off, of body condition score from calving to to breeding, then we have an issue, you know. Then you have you're in you're in severe negative energy balance. You're you're losing body condition, and it is going to be harder for those cows to get back in calf. So you want your body condition score at two point seven five, but you also don't want to be the girls losing too much units of of body condition with it, the time period from calving to breeding. And just we had a roadshow of events there with yourself, Bernard, going around across the country. We had a couple of cows up to shoot and you are just showing us where the, the, the three main points of the short rib, the ribs and then the pin bones. Just a couple of pointers to look out for in relation to body condition scoring. Talk us through maybe what what to look out for, what areas of the animal we're, we're, we're looking at. And then I suppose you were talking us through the, the rumen and how it works and looking at rumen filling. It was really, really interesting. Yeah, so I suppose you're... Um, look... It, when you're doing body condition scoring, the cow has to go up a crush. It's the only place you can actually handle the cow, put the hand on the cow. Visually, you can't really do body condition scoring. It's just not feasible. So visually, obviously, you look at the animal, but you have to put the hand on. And the first place to go to is the actual ribs of the cow. So I suppose for a, if you're looking for that optimum body condition score of 2.75, you want a certain level of cover with on those ribs. Then The second point we go to is what we colloquially called the short ribs, which really are the transverse processes of the spinal column. And again, you want a certain level of fat cover along those ribs as well. However, you don't want too much of a bony prominence either. And then the, the third place you want to go to is your um, your pin bones as well. And again, you want a certain amount of cover, not too much, not too little. It is quite hard to say, showing you hands-on, like, you know. Big question now, right? You're talking about body condition score. Obviously, listen, myself and yourself have the full license, but... Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Our main man here beside us, Sean, has uh, only under provision. Did he pass? Yeah, no, I thought Sean was quite good. 
There you go. You're going to give him an end plate then. He's moving ah, the L to the end. do two years on. Yeah, I like Shawnee. I think he's a good guy, you know? I wouldn't be. No, uh, I think he's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sake, but he's on. fairly atrocious at BCS. Everyone understands that. But I'm going to ask you a question now, right? We were there, and I suppose for me, one of the big things is that it's not the average of the cows, it's the range. And, you know, there's going to be cows that are going to be under and cows going to be over. And something that you said that really struck for me, this we all know, if cows that are under condition, milk them once a day, you know, and, and feed them twice a day. But when do you milk them? I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, so I suppose, look, potentially this could be uh, not a bone of contention, but some people have different views on it. But for me, and, and reading a bit about it, a lot of people would preferably milk in the evening time. So if they are going back into cubicles, they're going back in with an empty bag, they're going back in with an empty udder. So if you milk them in the evening time, they'll have an empty udder, they'll be going back into the cubicles with an empty udder, and there's less chance of infection building up as a result of that, and uh, less stress on the cow as well. So feed them in the morning, don't milk them, milk them in the evening, and feed them obviously as usual, and go from there, like, you know. So cows are in by night, out by day, they, they, get, they get turned out, whatever, and it's... Then they, they get fed, obviously, they run through the powder, they get fed out for days graze and then come in or milk and they're in by night. That's yeah, exactly. Now, obviously, if they're out, if they're out by day and out by, by out, out by day and out by night, it's probably irrelevant, you know? Yeah, because they're obviously on grass either. It's just, it's just for a hygiene purpose that they're probably better off milking them in the evening time as opposed to the morning time, like, you know? And then obviously maybe upping their meal as well. Another thing you could do as well is if you do have a cohort of cows that are low body condition score, it might be best to try and isolate them from the rest of the main herd, if you could at all, and, and buffer them and feed them up well, like, you know, prefer breeding, like, you know? We were on, I suppose, a very diverse range of, I suppose, cow types, you know, over the, the five farms that we went to. Yeah. So, like, we're looking at, we started with Montpellier's, we went to Crossbreds, we went to Holstein Frisians, British Frisians, and we mixed then with kind of a good kind of, you know, Holstein Frisian mix. But, like, that has to be taken into account with body condition scoring as well. Yeah, sure. I suppose when you're looking at the Montpellier's, I suppose traditionally they're a dual purpose breed. And with that, they will have a certain level of fat cover that you just can't avoid. And then you, you go to your Holsteins and they're notoriously going to have a thin skin anyway, you know. They're just going to carry that little bit less fat cover than your Montpellier's, you know. And your crossbreds are somewhere, somewhere in the middle, like, you know. So you have to take that into account as well. So the body condition scoring is more subjective, take the animal breed into consideration. Yeah, it's an objective. It is an objective um, measure of the nutrient status of that cow in that moment in time. However, it is it is subjective as well. Like, you know, like, John, you thought you were an expert there at body condition scoring, like, but I put you in your place, I think, fairly quick. And I, now we're talking. Now we are talking. Now. Right. Here we go. Here yeah, we go. Right. Bernard was cocksure. He was king of, the, king of the castle. And he came up to me and he was like, John, just... What would you give her now? I said Bernard two seven five. Anyways, next thing, next one three, next one two seven five. Bernard turned around to the group. Anyways, and he announced, "That's two seven five three two seven five. <laughs> I said, "Good man, Bernard, you're at it again. You're flying it. You're flying it." But anyways, it is it is very subjective. Like there is, you can have a row. But Bernard, one of the things I would say is get get a fresh pair of eyes because you can make. I think that's probably where people get great benefit out of you and your day-to-day job going on to a farm is you, you, you can give them maybe a reality check of the, the condition score of their, their animals. Of course, like some, go- some guys, um, you go out to their farm, they just have it in their head that 
this cow is just always fat and that's the way she should be and you know that that's probably incorrect like you know obviously there is genetically some cows will carry more condition than others but yeah it is better to get a fresh pair of eyes because we can become quite biased in our views yeah exactly but another thing is I suppose it's not just good enough to do the body condition score and just that breeding ideally what we need to do is if we start from within the calendar year you want to do that at calving you want to do that breeding ideally you want to do it at maybe 100 days in milk and 200 days in milk you want to do that drying off and then you're back to your calving again so it does that is labour that is time it is it does take time but to be honest with you it doesn't take a whole lot of time either like it's just a matter of getting into a habit of doing it like we waste enough time on far, doing other farming methods like you know Bernard one of the things that like I suppose what sparked us into maybe getting in touch with yourself and reaching out and, and you kindly agreed to give us a hand out was the fact that we want to join up the you know the agronomy the animal health and the animal nutrition because obviously the grass is the biggest part of animal nutrition and something that we we work an awful lot with farmers on but like th- that whole aspect of body condition score and treating it as you know an isolated incident that we must body condition score before we breed or maybe at dry off but we really need to be taking a more holistic approach to it and monitoring is that is that fair to say am i wrong in that yeah it's all about monitoring like it, it, you know you have to you have to collect that data and you have to go from there like so look as i said during breeding you want to have the body condition score 2.75 and like having maybe at 3.25 you know burner when it comes down to body condition scoring obviously you're the qualified guy you're the vet John O'Loughlin is actually the real expert that told you what to do. And Sean is on the end plate, right? Ah, you move to the end to the end. No, you're going okay, Sean. You're going okay, you know. You want great, but you're going okay. But like, what I'd like to talk about now as well, what I saw you doing, which is absolutely amazing, a really quick test as well, really visual, which was locomotion scoring. That was superb. Yeah, so locomotion scoring. What what is locomotion scoring? It's viewing the animal and visually looking at the cow as she walks, and you want you you want the cow to to obviously not be lame. It's as simple as that, like you know. And how do we do that? So we we look at the animal and we 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 look at a reference range from one to five. One being very good, no lameness. Five being extraordinarily lame and severe treatment needs to be given. You know, the arch back is a big thing. You know, so a cow. A score of of one, potentially maybe two, would have a straight back, you know, absolutely flat, no arch whatsoever. When you start getting into the twos and the threes, and obviously the fours and fives, there's going to be a bit more of an arch in the back. When they start holding their legs, you're looking at four and five. So, like, if they're not putting significant weight on a certain limb touching the ground, you're going to have a four and a five, like, you know. Look, anybody can pick out a four or five. They're, They're severely lame. It's those twos that you're trying to pick out, you know, that are not too lame, but still lame enough to get the hoof pair in and get that sorted before that two becomes a three or a four, like, you know. One of the things that I picked up from our discussion was that you said 60% of the weight of the animal whenever she's on her all fours is at the front of the animal, 40% is at the back. Yeah. And then on the back, 90% of the weight is on the outside hoof yeah well 90% of the problems would potentially be on the outside claw the lateral claw of the hind limbs like you know whether that be an infectious or a non-infectious disease I was very fascinated but getting out to the, the field whenever farmers go and put out their cows to graze a paddock or whatever they're shutting the, shutting the gap 
they're going back, doing their jobs, coming back in the evening, collecting the, the animals from the field or whatever. We were actually there whenever they were grazing, whenever they were ruminating, whenever they were sitting down. Looking at the behaviour of the animals, I was just really fascinated by it. And you talk about body condition score and locomotion and seeing what percentage of the animals are chewing the cud or whatever. It was something different and something that we probably take for granted that every animal is operating at 100% you know whenever you go out and look at them they're, they're, yeah. they could potentially not, not be like yeah we, we don't look we're all live live busy lives like and, and if we probably don't examine the animals just in their in their own routine out on grass from um a day-to-day basis like and it, it, you do learn a lot when you do that as well like you know like a, pr- a prime example we asked the farmer one of the farmers on the day was there any signs of pika and we were we, you Correct, went yeah. you went through the the different potential signs that that animals would be showing and the farmer said no but well, yet whenever we went out one of the cows was was nearly had the, had the bank yeah, turned bank her back wheel. for one second and there she was in the ditch there and she was uh, chewing stones and licking chew, outside chewing, chewing stones and, and, and picking away at him like you know and Pika, it's just the ingestion or the fascination, I suppose, with inanimate objects, you know, such as stones predominantly, you know, on the on the farm setting. And uh, it was quite obvious to see that that girl was, uh, she was mad for those stones, like, you know, so maybe we'll talk about more the next day, but it's just uh, one thing that would spring to mind straight away is just a, a lack of phosphorus within that, the diet, you know? Yeah, definitely, especially in light of breeding, but... I, Bernard, I think the condition scoring is one, and especially in relation to lake calvers, like they have an awful tendency of just getting over fat. So, Bernard, we followed the cows out to the field. Yeah. We followed them back into the parlour. Yeah. We body condition scored them. Laneways, some of the some of the roadways that we were on, you could walk on them in your bare feet. Yeah, geez. Um, the second farmer we were with on the Wednesday, he had... Um, he had AstroTurf and rubber mixed together for the first, I I would say, maybe two, probably 300 yards. And you would, sure, you, everyone knows what AstroTurf is like. You would walk with, walk on it with your socks on, like, you know. And it was, and, and he did know how much of a difference they walk on that comparison to the rest of his roadways, which were still very good. Like, the roadways were very straight, just the lie of the land, they were quite straight. There was no... 90 degree bends on it which doesn't tend to help a cow they were very very flat there was no potential for dirt or puddles to build up you know so everything was good and clean there was no build up of bad stones big kind of ignorant stones that can cause a lot of damage like you know so no his roadways were quite were quite impressive like you know look when you're putting in roadways it's infrastructure isn't it like you know so you're going to get the returns from it it's not going to go away it's there for pretty much ever like you probably obviously have to top up on it like the first farmer on the Wednesday as well I'd say he had just recently dusted that roadway as well like and again it was so smooth to, to walk on as well like and it does make a difference and both farmers both mentioned as well that they don't they don't rush their cows as well like you know yeah. that they don't have a quad which is driving those slower cows out the back, driving them into the parlor or driving them into the paddock. They don't have a dog that's tormenting the cows and stressing them out. Like it's all about lack of stress, but yet cow flow. You want to get them in and get them out of the parlor as soon as you can. The longer they're in the parlor, they're in the collecting yard. The less time they have, that less potential they have of, of grazing the field. Like you know. Yeah, brilliant, lads. That was absolutely superb. And look, Bernard, it was a real great pleasure to have you with us during that week. Bernard, you'll be back again. So happy to have you involved in Grassland Agro as our consultant vet. I suppose my key takeaways, 
Body condition scoring. Aim for that 2.75. The crush. It's the best place, lads, to put your hands on that animal. Get to grips and feel it out. Locomotion scoring. The arch back is the greatest, earliest sign of all. We talk about rating a one versus a five. A five being the worst. But the arch back is the first telltale sign. Roadways, where possible, we all understand it's not straightforward. Keep her straight. Smooth bends. Soft underfoot. No pressure or stress to the animal. Mind yourself out there. Farm smart. Farm safe. Hey, thanks for listening to the Sod Pod. We hope you enjoyed it. To find out more, head over to www.grasslandagro.ie or check out our social channels. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube. That's all for this episode. See you next time.